It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Halden. And Benjamin Halden. Today's episode is a whirlwind, you know. Yeah. I think we have discovered so many different topics that people are going to be interested in today. Well, what are we talking about today? We are talking about what happens if someone hits on your partner. And how to de- and how to deal with it. Yeah. Running alone from a woman's perspective and a guy's perspective. Complaining about dodgy haircuts. Complaining about dodgy hair- haircuts, which nobody does, by the way. The worst holidays we've ever been on. Really bad. Ben basically got stabbed. <laughs> that is honestly, Ben, Ben, not nearly he did. I don't want to give too much away. But before you go in and listen to the rest of the podcast, please make sure to continue to leave reviews. Subscribe to the channels. Hit the bell button on the YouTube video because next year we are going home. Going where? HM on the podcast. We want to continue to grow it Ham. and be and continue to be the biggest fitness podcast in the UK. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. Welcome to the new podcast studio. Oh, technically, technically, it's not you really. know, it will, but no, it's a big change. We had the office painted. <laughs> but do you know what is really interesting? If you want to go through like a little bit of like a, a change and you don't want to spend shit tons of money, just paint the walls. And it actually does a lot, doesn't it? We're on a painting spree now. I'm on a, I'm on a minim- minimalism <laughs> spree at the moment. So I like things. And spaces to feel therapeutic and calm mm. and relaxed. I, th- I feel this color. It's like a, you won't be able to see it too much on my side because I've got, talking about calm, I've got neon. Yeah, you've got the porn lights. light. Yeah, I've got the porn <laughs> light behind me. I hate the porn light. And it's actually like a clay color, which is very neutral. It's plaster color. So imagine getting yeah, something plastered, gorgeous kind of like pinky rose that's what we've got that is the color no it's, it's not pink rose don't well, ever call that it looks a little bit pink rose because you know oh god but the only thing that does need changing is ben's porn light is just the wrong color i think it needs to be white you need to move it back into the bedroom to we absolutely don't do that in the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine ben i've got to keep it pg yeah gotta keep it pg what our but, audience is 12 no but our audience is also deb davis if you're listening mom it's not what that is um, she knows where that's the come only from. that's the only thing that I think should we should change the color of and you can comment below guys if you think I'm correct because I don't really think it's giving a lot to the pink rose clay chalk wash vibe that oh, we're going hot. for hot coffee hot coffee I've had too much coffee do you know what I was today. thinking about mm. have you ever thought thought about why do you, you know when you go to Starbucks and they have to put the lid on the coffee they have to yeah, do you, do you know why? So you don't spill it on yourself and get scolded? There was, a, there was a guy who sued Starbucks because he burns his balls. But then your balls, though, that's... It's heavy. That is heavy. And I also said, sometimes he, it can be hard. In, in court, it was an 11-day trial, and he he was his case was for scolding his testicles and his genitals, and he claimed that he 
was unable to satisfy his wife. That was part of the, the claim in court. But do you know what? Scoldy balls. No, do you know Golden what? Balls. But, but if they don't want to take responsibility for it, they should give you the lid and the cup separately so you do it yourself. Well, because that, what's the point in that? You're just making your coffee? What are you talking about? No, you obviously go to Starbucks. Yeah. So they put the lids on, don't they? Yeah. And so I, I mean, I've never drank into a Starbucks thing and not checked the lid. I checked the lid. You've got to check the lid because someone might have had a human error to burn your balls. Human error, easy mistake to make. If they want to avoid that at all costs, give you the coffee, give you the lid... And you put it on yourself. A lot of bougie coffee places do that. I've they never seen that. Carl, have you? That's a, like get a little flat white. They give you that, and then your lids are like on a stack somewhere else. Yeah, I have seen that to be fair. Mm -hmm. yep. Because then, then yeah. you're avoiding all. I think some people's issues was oh well, Barbara who's got fingers like King Kong. I don't know when the last time she wiped her ass is putting her coffee lid on my coffee cup, and her fingers are going all over where I'm about to insert my mouth. So they do, or they don't put it on. They do, but people's issue is I don't want people touching my lid where I'm about to put my mouth. Yeah, that's, that's I think absolutely you should give them the coffee. And then if you burn your balls, it's your own fault because you've put your own lid on. If I if I spilt my coffee over myself and I'd put the lid on, who was, who is to blame? Me. I know. There's another one with McDonald's as well. Yeah, I'm just reading about that now. So the, there's a woman in, what is it, 1992? Yeah. She was given a coffee that was 94 degrees Celsius. So basically yeah. boiling. And she complained that the cup didn't say hot. But then she nearly died, apparently. <laughs> Why? Because the burns got infected. They were on her legs. Um, oh, that's bad. That is bad. And she, she initially asked for 20 grand to cover her medical expenses. McDonald's said you can have $600. And then she won 600K yeah. at court. That's insane. It's, it's, I find that a little bit difficult. It's like, oh, yeah, I pick up a coffee cup and it's hot. I go no, outside, but, it's going to be cold. Do you know what I mean? There's a bit of expectation. But I think coffee is supposed to be at, like, room temperature. I mean, McDonald's coffees are always it's boiling. Hot, yeah. And so, apparently they got 800 complaints about people burning themselves yeah. in the years before, so they knew. Is it supposed to be at room temperature if I made that up? Like ah. proper coffee is supposed to not be boiling, is it? I mean, this is me being a snob, but what type of person have you got to be to go and buy a coffee from McDonald's? You know, Matthew's get This coffee's great, but No, it's not. You no, know, it is. It's like it wins all the taste tests. I don't give a shit. I, my <laughs> taste test said it's not. I had I had them all the time when I was working for the police because I had to go in there for like antisocial behavior stuff and bollocks like that. And used to get a free coffee. And I'm like, I'll pay you to take this off me. <laughs> <laughs> they're not that, that bad. It it's like drinking tar. I will. We'll get one from Cheshire Oaks tomorrow. I'll, no, we won't. We'll get you a coffee, and you can just taste it. Not from McDonald's. We won't. I will give you a bougie coffee, a Starbucks coffee, and a McDonald's, and I will blindfold you, and you tell me what is what. I from know the which one's which because the McDonald's will scold me. But I'll wait till they're all at the same temperature. Oh, we're waiting a while. And also, the other interesting thing: if you ever, there's actually another purpose for the Starbucks uh, lid. You can use it. Well, let me have, let me have, let me have a little moment. That was, that was like, it didn't even give me a chance. The Starbucks lid can be used for something else. Thank you for repeating what I just said. Starbucks lid. I don't know. Yep, so, wow, here we are, I back just, to square one. Yeah, but I just needed to get, let me see if I could answer it first. Can we use it as a coaster? So apparently the cup the fits, fits perfectly. If you put it, take it off, put it there, put it on top of Upside it. Upside down. I would not trust putting it on its head. Doesn't matter. No, I don't trust that. Well, that's, next time you go to Starbucks, give it a whirl. You can use it as a coaster. I'm not trusting that. I'd put it on its bum 
I can slot it into it, but I would not balance a coffee on it. Do you know why I had a nightmare when I was in London yesterday? Just like, a, you know, when you, you're in, in a bit of a rush and you get in the tube and you're all, you're already hot, sweaty, breathing in salt through your nose and the whole thing. Obviously, you don't live in London, so you're using City Mapper. I thought I'm going to nip into Pratt because I've not eaten yet. I'm going to get a massive gingerbread latte, um, some fruit and a toasty, which was the Christmas special. I then left Pratt to go down to the tube, full, hands full, three bags, thinking, going to have this on the tube. Obviously couldn't because it was so stressful. And as I was eating it on the tube, because I was absolutely starving. Standing every si- Yes, sweating. Every single person was looking at me and I thought, I am going to put it away because that is disgusting. Eating, eating on the tube. I think it's disgusting. I do because I touched the rail and then I thought, I can't eat it now. I'm going to have to put it back in its bag and just have my cold toasty when I get to my destination. Nah, I'd sacrifice the, the dirt. No, see, I wouldn't. I had a cold toasty. I was just stood there eating a cold toasty because hands on the tube, on the toasty, and it was delicious. So you give in to peer pressure there, though, haven't you? Yeah, because everyone was staring at That's me. I mean. You've got to be bold. You've got to... <sighs> I mon- already hate the... T- I don't really like the tube. I'm not you good should, with the tube. Yeah, you've got to dive head first and start toasty. But you're hot, sweating. You don't have like, enough hands. I couldn't, couldn't put my coffee down to take my coat off, and I'm dripping. Anyway, that was my tube, my tube story. We'll continue into our questions. Oh, yeah, Kyle. There we go. That's magic. The Q&A. Can, can everybody hear that? Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, we had... So I actually was looking at these questions before, Ben. We had some fantastic questions. We can do I, have some fantastic questions. Can I just say something questions. as well? Because it was one of the questions either in the comments. Are we doing a New Year challenge? Yes, we are. Will it's it be? Big. Will a, Will the waiting list be live for it? No. It will. But when this podcast is yeah. up, it absolutely will. So the link will be in the description below. Below? Low? Below? Uh, wherever you will listen to this. The New Year Challenge this year, we are going big with. We can't tell you too much about it because it's going to be a bit of a special. But you can sign up to the waiting list now to be notified with more details and key dates. Thank you. First question. Do you ever feel afraid of running alone? I feel afraid of running alone. The only thing I did last week, which was really off-putting, was I went for a run at night, had my head torch on. And because I breathe like a steam train anyway, the breath coming out of my mouth, the light head torch was just picking it up. So I couldn't see anything in front of me. I was just seeing smoke for for 12K. (laughs) So I just moved my head around, trying to wobble everywhere, trying to wade through the smoke. So I wasn't scared. I was just scared of breaking my ankle. Oh, yes. You've never actually been afraid running. I don't think so. That one morning with that dog. Oh, oh yeah. I saw my absolute arse that morning. If I was on my own, I would have jumped in the canal. It was a bit scary, that, to be fair. Yeah. We, me and Ben went on a run. I don't know what we must have been getting the train somewhere. It was pitch black, and I thought, it's all right, we're going together. Yeah, we were. We were going to London for a podcast. We went on the canal, and in the distance, there was just two red eyes. I'm, I don't re- I'm scared of dogs, putting it out there. And there's only one dog that I actually get along well with. Myla, no, shout out. But these red eyes, and I said to Ben, I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, I was getting really agitated. I was like, what is that? I thought it was like a loose, stray, big dog. So Ben was like, get behind me, <laughs> get behind me. So I'm like running behind Ben, and then it's he comes down and darts past us, but then we see his owner. The owner was quite like far down, re- to be fair, though. The owner was nowhere, but we, you probably didn't think you'd see a runner at 5 a.m. Mm. On, the, on the canal. But that question... Do you ever feel afraid of running alone? 
I definitely do. Do you? Yeah, I'm not as much around here. I think I, because I, I run on my own on a canal, on like cycle paths. I went around Anglesey and did 60K and was just gone. <laughs> like I, so I don't think I'm scared in that sense because I don't think of worst case scenario. I don't think I can live my life thinking if I go out on a run, someone's going to attack me. Mm-hmm. I don't go out with that process because why would you, I don't think that's a good way to approach things. No, I think it's a good mindset. I think it's similar to people who are scared of flying. You, if you just a, applied the, what would you call it? The real minority numbers or the mm. the tiny chance of you crashing to every flight you went on, you just live your life in fear all the time. So I, I understand why people are conscious or reserved or have the defense up if they were to do something and rightly so. But I think if you don't do things based on a fear of something potentially never happening, stopping you from doing the thing that you really love to do, you're letting other people win. The only thing is, though, I categorically will not run at night time in Manchester, in London, in big cities. I don't run in Chester at night. I could, probably, but I choose not to. Absolutely, I would not run in London at night unless I was in a big group of people. No way. I some I sometimes play games over me. I do you know if you, if you think, think someone's think... behind you and you're like, Shh, I've got I'm going to do this next hundred meters really quick. Or do you ever do that thing where you go, I've got to get to the next lamppost in ten seconds or Mum's dead? No, no, just me. Never. I also think though, from your perspective, you are a big, a massive fella. Easy target. No, as in, girls running are scared of people like you. That's the point. What do you think? Absolutely, yeah. If I'm running and someone is behind me and they're getting closer, I turn around and I, I'm like, fucking go past, I get, I'm like, go past me. Like, get round, like, you're going to stab me, get round me. That's my thought process. And because I, I think that's because I'm a woman. It's like this whole idea No, I appreciate of, that. I can't empathise with that. It's, I think it's very, very different being, yeah. it's like walking on your own. I feel safer when I'm running because I'm thinking, <laughs> you, let you and me, let's go. You try. I'm running. If we're running, I'm out running you. I have that in my head a lot when I'm running. Mm-hmm. If someone tries to do something, I'm jumping you, in that you, canal. Would you feel I'm the running. same way though if it was a big woman running behind you? No, I don't think. I don't think I'd be scared of a girl. So this is the thing that I want to try and get across: is that for ninety nine percent of the time, the big bloke or the guy who's running behind you on the other side of the street is probably the guy that is going to help you. Oh, yeah, it's not, if I'm out running, it's not another runner I'm scared of. No way. No, I know. Running community, fine. Just another person walking or like a guy on a bike, I get a bit agitated. A guy with a dog on a bike is a whole nother story. That doesn't sit well with me. A guy with a what, sorry? Like riding his bike with a, with, with a big dog. I'm done. For, like I literally stop and move out. The, I'm like in the bush like, oh, my God, don't see me. Because I don't like dogs, though. That's more, I get scared about that. It is scary as a woman. I think the things you can do in terms of tips are tell someone if you're going on a run, where you're going, what time you'll be back, how far you're going. Set your beacon up on Strava, on Garmin, so like someone can just like track you if you want to feel a little bit safer. Try and not run in the really dark streets in cities. That's hard, though. It's I know, I know, I know just, it is. You want a strong head torch. Yeah, really good head torch. Um, know the route, like know where you're going. I think it's a really solid um, place to be. But yeah, telling people where you are and I don't, people shouldn't be put off by running. It's just, there are a lot of stories that have happened to women on runs. I, I don't think, that think there, there is a lot of stories though. This is the, you, this is the one that, thing that I want to get away from is if you 
had a look at the amount, how how many times have people in history gone for a run versus how many people have been attacked? The number would be like through the floor. Mm. So I don't want people to get scared of going for a run or be stopped through the fear of the thing itself. Like do, do the things that you love. I understand that I'm a guy and I d won't have that fear as much as females. The other thing, which is actually really good, is... They're not called bone headphones, but they're the headphones that sit on your ear canal when the, what are they called? Induction. Induction headphones. Yeah. It means you can hear outside, but the music still comes through as well. Mm. And if you're someone who's kind of scared because you don't want all your senses cut off in terms of it's already dark, and then you can't hear on top of that because you've got headphones in, those type of headphones are actually really good if you're a night runner or you're a little bit scared of running because it allows the external sound to still come through as well as the music or the podcast that you're listening to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... I like running early in the morning when it's dark and it feels it feels quite quiet and safe and calm. It's not busy. So that I but I'm not scared when I'm running. So, yeah, I so can't basically speak what you're saying is perspective. Most of the people who are gonna get here are lazy, so they'll probably have a lie in and probably be night time. Yeah. They're yeah. not gonna catch me at five AM, are they? Let's be realistic. Um but it is I think it can be very different for a woman. Um one thing you touched on there is headphones. I don't run in headphones. Yeah, but a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, people I absolutely don't think people should be afraid or scared. But for some reason, this day and age, as a woman, you just kind of want to take a few extra, like, just be just be aware. That's, where, that's where running groups are obviously good, or you can yeah. pull a friend along with you as well, or doing some track runs is always good, if you can get on a track. Mm. I love you. Good question. Okay. I had a question which is directly to me. What has been the hardest thing about keto? So I thought I'd just... I've had loads of questions about this. I'm going to say loads, but I'd like to. And... I did a YouTube about it last week, so you can go and watch that because I give a full breakdown of the meals as well. I actually haven't found that many things hard about it. I think the hardest part of you looking to try keto is probably in the first two weeks, just because energy levels are a little bit off. Some there's a thing called keto flu. I didn't get it, but it's it's out there. The other thing to just bear in mind is I couldn't have stuck to it. It wasn't doing it for the reasons of a better digestion and healthier gut. The just the the, the sheer motivator of it being fat loss or being in better shape wouldn't be rewarding enough of a push or a pull towards a goal for me to do keto. It's just, I couldn't be asked. Mm. So just just bear that in mind if, you, if you're looking at doing it as well. But I've, I've honestly really enjoyed it. Having steak and eggs every day is like, oh, love it. You know what's a little bit annoying? What? Just from the partner's perspective of the person doing keto, going out to dinner is a little bit different. Not really. Bit. why because i don't dictate what you have to eat no but it's like we couldn't not go somewhere that doesn't do a really good steak we could have it i ate shit steak of the week I mean, what was that place that we went to <laughs> oh that was really bad actually yeah the steak. thank you let's not name names but that wasn't great i, can't, I, I would I name it whatever could remember it was um but it wasn't renowned for steak but to be fair you did i just but that was it was my choice i'm not bothered <laughs> i had a burger um but we always have to pick somewhere that does do really good steak. But you could have, I guess you could have chicken. Yeah, exactly. Or any meat. Or fish. Or like fish. There you go. I have, these are two completely opposing questions, but I'll ask the first one first. Thoughts about bikini fitness. That's bodybuilding, isn't it? Yeah. Bodybuilding fitness on stage. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. 
starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As I'm getting older, I'm, st- I'm kind of in this mindset of now, like, live and let live. I'll do the shit that I want to do, try and inspire people to do and live a healthier and better lifestyle. And, I mean, I'll still have my opinion, but sometimes I feel in the way that I've learned most is by failing and doing things and then developing a better mindset, a stronger character, a better work ethic and finding things that I don't like. And I did that myself with bodybuilding. I did one show and thought, do you know what? Fuck it. It's not for me. Don't want to be that level lean, lose my libido, have terrible sleep, perform terribly, get my balls touched up with spray tan by some 60-year-old woman pre-show and then hang out with a bunch of dudes in a tiny room before we go and get a pump up. It just wasn't for me. The, there's obviously a few more than a few drawbacks especially to female athletes are going to compete in bodybuilding menstrual cycles that's a one of the biggest ones there's a lot of hormonal effects there's longer term impacts for female athletes and then there's the whole realm of relationships with food the solidly bodily image these are things that people don't think about before they go into those competitive environments and they are very very extreme what you've got to think about everything has yin and yang it's always give and take what are the what are things that are gonna impact you apart from the the trophy because that's all people look at they see as i was saying this morning they see the picture of the belt in the ring they see the post of the podium they see the status about the stopwatch they don't see all the things between the a and b that you have to go through to get to that place and also i feel like if you're exposed to it, it's difficult to get out of that world. And sometimes what people do is they get deeper and deeper and deeper into it and they lose themselves quite a lot. Especially with female athletes who then go into drug use and steroid use. Because if you want to be top of that game, you something that you've got to indulge in. It completely changes the way they look. It changes the face, it changes the body, it changes the, the voice in a lot of aspects as well that you can you can never get back. And I just think you've got to be careful going down those rounds. And I'm I don't coach anyone for it anymore uh, i don't particularly like it and that, but that's just my opinion yeah it's a really weird one um i don't like it i'd never do it the amount of people who are like you could step on stage i'm thinking i honestly could not think of anything worse like i just all the points you said because there's bikini fitness is obviously basing it around women it bikini fitness is just women isn't it that category or is it stepping on stage? What, what dudes going on a bikini? Are you high? Yeah, no. I, but I'm not in that world. I don't know. But what, what, who wears a bikini? You've been no, on a whole day enough time to know. In the bikini competitor, in the body bodybuilding life, I, it's not it's not the life for me. But saying that, that's really strongly my opinion that I don't like it because of the effect it effect it has on women. Periods, hormones real lack of calories, the relationship with food after. So many people 
we have a lot of people anyway, and I have a lot of clients who've like, I want to compete. And I'm thinking, good for you. I can't coach you anymore. And that's always been my stance. And I've never coached competitor. I'd be terrible at it because deep, deep down, I wouldn't want them to do it. But I believe, similarly to what you said, I think people would look at me and be like, oh, I couldn't do what she does. But it's just the level that bodybuilding brings, bikini competitive. I don't think it's the healthiest thing. And also, you look your best, best quotations on stage. Someone is judging you on how your body looks. That would completely destroy me. If someone was judging you and giving you a number and a score based on your body, I think that would be really hard. I wouldn't want to be judged in that way, like so subjectively. I think I just struggle with that. And also, yeah, all the factors. So it's not it's not for us. Um, I think we spoke about it enough. And as Ben said, it's not tit for tat. You don't want to bash people who are doing it, but you won't find that with us or my coach. Yeah. <laughs> just, just on that, I think there are better ways that you can balance out if you are uh, one of those people who loves it or is an athlete of it, is you can make sure that you work with a coach because as I said before, uh, clients will fail, coaches will see. So it, it requires a relationship to make sure that you have the best outcome afterwards because it's usually post-show where people really fuck up with stuff and get bad relationships with food and exercise. And that's where you need a good coach to be able to nurture you and look after you mm. post-show to get back to another place. Because when you do a show, it's like going on holiday. You arrive at a destination, you do the thing, and then you come home. You can't stay in that level of lean. You've got to leave. You've got to exit. It can't be a strategy where now you've had all this external validation, you've had all the applause, you've had all the pictures, you've got your new profile pictures, whatever. And now you feel, oh, if I am anything but this lean, I'm now not worthy or I'll now be judged differently. And that's the thing that you've got to try and detach from is being in that level of lean and attaching, attaching your worth to it and anything else but being that is then lesser. And that's what a lot of people do. So I think... Having a coach work with someone, knowing that you can't always be at level. Um, I think also if you can within there, have a goal for post-show, like mm. do something different or want to build strength or do something performance-based. I have found with myself and with clients and members that people's relationships with food and exercise are never as good when there isn't some sort of performance goal or metric in place, whether that's running, whether that's lifting whether that be walking, distance, times, whatever it may be, it's just something that you can have as an external metric and you use a different metric stick then to base your own value on and play to your own strengths and play to things that have more substance than just a couple of taps on Instagram because that's where people's downfall is with those sort of shows is they're so driven towards social media, even more so than they maybe used to be in the old times where the only real validation you would get is being featured in a magazine. We're also, I think, from our perspective, we're very based on performance, health, and aesthetics. So like the aesthetic side of bodybuilding, you step on stage and you're probably about the least healthiest you've been, like hormonally, like everything's off. You're probably really underweight. There's a, there's a few factors that I just think, I don't think that is sport. Like that's, that throws, do you know when it throws off what you think is like sport and fitness and being fit and being healthy and nourishing your body and being able to perform. And I just don't see that as much in bodybuilding, but that's obviously just my my opinion, my perspective. I, th I think there's a study as well. It's so strange that this was on there, but it's really, I suppose it's not a nice one. There's something to do with the intelligence or the IQ of bodybuilders. I don't know if you can see that, Carl. It was oh. it was about basically bodybuilders being dummies. You know, there's always this kind of, well, the big dude's an idiot. 
There's something correlated with bodybuilders and IQ levels. I think it was a study done ages ago, uh, which is which is strange. But I don't know whether the well, it's obvious that there's it's not causation. It's going to be correlation. But there's something to do with the demographic of of bodybuilders and the way that they get into the sport, the reason that they get into the sport. But there you go. Bit off topic. I do you want me to go into my really other good question? Is this related to the same one? No. So you can go. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I've got some good questions. I might have to just answer some of them on Instagram. Worst, worst holiday you've ever been on? Worst holiday I've ever been on. Thank you for just repeating the questions, but I think my brain needs enough time to absorb it. I couldn't think about this. Worst holiday? You got one, Carl? I... Well, I think. It's tough, eh? Worst holiday. Do you know what? I didn't have a great time. This wasn't a holiday. I know what you're going to say. But I was abroad. Not that one. (laughs) I know the one you're thinking. I'm not going to share that. This is a shit yourself one again. No. That was great. Ski mountaineering. Might have accidentally shit myself, but that was, (laughs) that wasn't part. I was, I had a great, that was phenomenal. No, we went to San Diego on a swim camp. Okay. And it was just. You honestly wanted those coaches to sort their lives out. It was, it was, it was great to be in America, great to be in San Diego and on the swim camp and you're swimming outside. The actual logistics of that camp, how we were like treated around nutrition, we were like nitpicked. This is the camp where we were weighed in front of everyone and our weights were being shouted out. And we flew out on the 27th of December. So we're all, yeah, Christmas has just been, and some of us have put loads of weight on, and our weights were being shouted out, and our coach bollocked us, like bollocked us, like nobody was training well, we were all jet lagged, the girls had been wholly embarrassed about shout the everyone's weights being shouted out, and we, we got bollocks on poolside that we were all basically swimming shit, and we're thinking, we're jet lagged, and it's just been Christmas, give us, get, give us a break. We, we used to go to the shop and sneak off and buy like chocolate and stuff and stash it in our drawers and hide it. So if they did room checks, they couldn't find anything. It was just bizarre. Like I look back and think, poor 15-year-old, 16-year-old me. Like, I'd never put my kid through that. Yeah, there's, I know that you spoke about this with, with swimming in general, but I know we spoke about it the other day with, uh, I think Carl dropped something about coaches banned yeah, wearing gymnasts in new rules as well. Yeah, so the, apparently it's borderline abuse um, to be weighing athletes in front of their peers. Yeah. And so British Gymnastics safeguarding rules are now banning it. What are your thoughts they're on that? They're not banning it completely. Um, you have to get parental consent. You have to get consent from the athlete. There's a few things. I think they're still going to weigh people. Yeah. No yeah. one under 10 can be weighed. Yeah. And under 18 can only be done with consent of the gymnast and the parent. Yeah. Which I think is great. I think that was needed all along. I don't think it should just be gymnastics. I think all sports, unless it's a sport specific where you've chose like boxing or being a jockey, where you're in weight categories, that's completely different because it's relevant to the sport. Certain sports, when you weighed in front of other people, it was so embarrassing. I can't even explain it. Yeah, I don't it. think there's ever a need to weigh people in front of other people. What are you really teaching people there? That there's uh, real, you, you're really sort of ingraining into people's DNA that it's a negative if you have a weight spike. And the thing is with your weight in general, it's never going to be set every single day. It's something that moves and, and trends over time, there's going to be ups and downs, especially for women who are going through the menstrual cycle. There's going to be huge spikes and huge drops and huge changes due to things that are completely out of your control. So then 
attaching stigma to that and doing it in front of other people. It's, it's, that's why I'm, I'm like, why the fuck does Weight Watchers still exist, by the way, where they get mm. people in like cattle and put them on stage and weigh them and they all woo, clap, clap for people. And Brenda, who's lost four pounds this week because she hasn't had anything but mashed banana. Yeah. It's so, it's such a weird concept. It's such a strange psychology. And I don't understand why they do it in front of other people. I understand why maybe they monitor it over time for certain sports because they may be looking at power to weight ratio for sports like gymnastics. But for, for to do it in other, in front of other people, I don't know really what that achieves but also they're doing it in front of other people and they shout it out and i'm thinking we all look completely different one of us is five foot nine one of us is five foot like and you're saying our weights out loud and i'm thinking we all look completely different so how why are you shouting out loud for one tell if you're going to tell me tell me personally because it's irrelevant to my five foot self to my mate who's five foot nine like i just it was honestly awful. And some of the girls were really, really affected. But I was always tiny. So my weight was more so, huh, Lucy needs to gain weight. And that's the whole thing about yeah. when the girl was like, oh, she's anorexic. Different thing. It wasn't about getting awful. So yeah, I think it's fantastic that they've done that. And I think they should do it across the board and not just for girls, but boys as well. It has the same psychological effects. Girls and boys. Can I ask you a question on this, Liz? Mm. Do you think they need to maybe go a bit further and actually ban it for everyone under 18? Because I think potentially if they leave it up to the consent of the under 18 year old and the consent of the parent, what you're potentially going to get into is like, if there's a group of 10 children, there's like eight of them who don't have any issue with it. Who are just like, oh, I don't care, just weigh me, whatever. But then the ninth or 10th people who actually do have problems with their weight and who don't want to be singled out are then going to be essentially excluded they'll be peer pressured into doing it i don't think they'd be peer pressured too because you wouldn't know do you no 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 but like if they're weighing everyone else on the side of the pool and then they go oh but lucy's chubby so we're not weighing her but they're not so i think the point of the gymnastics one it's not going to be in front of your mates it's you do you'd go off with the nutritionist and do it by yourself okay i think that's the idea of it which with swimming we did it a lot of the time we'd get called off we'd go into the nutrition room do it all, do your skin folds, do your weigh-in. But a lot of the time when we're at competitions, we'd all go into one room and do it together, which was awful. Or on like swim camps, awful. You're doing it all together. I think, I don't know, certain sports potentially you need it. Or there is if there's a particular athlete who might have gained quite a lot of weight and they're not efficient for their sport, have a nice conversation with them. Communicate with the athlete separately I don't think there's a need for everybody to be weighed. But I don't know if that's really biased for me because of how much it affected me. I think when you get that level of of athlete who's performing at these these levels, is there going to... But it's not that. It's every club weighs their swimmers. You could be at the the lowest level. Can I just finish? When there's a a high, high level athlete, they're going to be taking all data, all metrics, and there's nothing wrong with taking weight. I hate the fact that we stigmatise weight being taken because it's an important metric to know what your power to weight ratio is. It's an important metric to know. Uh, like it's, it's an indicator of health. The fact that we go, we should never take weight. Why? Like we shouldn't either take it. But then what happens is there's a trickle down effect to lower and lower down that everyone's looking up the ladder to go, I wonder what the top athletes are doing and what tests they're doing. And I wonder what metrics they're taking. And they're going to do the exact same to then make sure that they're taking accurate data for their athletes. But there's, there's obviously an argument for, at what age do you need to be weighing someone and what is age detrimental to the health? I haven't got an answer for it. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, but also I think it's, yeah, the elite, the Olympians. 
<laughs> we were not that. I was I was way from the age of like 12, 13. Yeah, but what I'm saying is those, those coaches then looking up at the ladder and going, what are they putting in yeah, place? Yeah, yeah, So I think... The trickle-down effect. Yeah, for sure. But I think that is where the coaches need a lesson and be like, why are you weighing your 12, 13-year-old little swimmer? When realistically, you're not... It's not... Unless you're very overweight or very underweight, you're not going to have that much of an impact on swimming anyway. Gymnastics, they're naturally smaller. It's... I think it's just, yeah, the, the parental consent and the consent of the athlete. We didn't, they didn't consent. They didn't say to us, are we okay to weigh you? It was just get on the scale. It wasn't, they didn't ask us. It was, you're getting weighed. You're getting your, you're, you are getting your body fat done. They didn't consent. So I think the consensual bit is really important. Um, and then asking parents as well. Yeah. So the consensual bit could be like, if you're with this club who we're looking to develop athletes to GB level. And a part of that will be, you will have body fat done, weight done. You will have certain fitness tests done. You will have aerobic-based tests done. You'll have a lactic test. The, mm. If you include that in the start as like a waiver, then maybe it's it's not too bad. Yeah, and if someone declines it, yeah. they decline it. I think yeah. that's great. If they have the option to decline it, I think that's really good. Yeah, but then the club could say you're not part of this club. Do you know what I mean? It, it, mm. It's just certain things and whatever the, the clubs they want to put in place because they want to try and raise and breed the next level of, I don't know, Phelps, Phelps, I'm say his name. Phelps. Or whoever, then happy days. Was that your question or my question? Yours. No. And that was your, no, it was mine. That was you, your question. It was worst, worst holiday. I can't even think about the worst holiday I've ever been on. Oh, yeah, that was a worst holiday question. Wow, that spiraled. Your worst holiday. I know your worst holiday. How are you telling me what my worst occasions are? I do, because I know, I on, know you. Me. I don't know if we can share on the podcast. We share everything on the podcast. Wait, I'll just move to the side away from the mic. Why would I be bothered about that? Oh, we might we talk about the same thing. Where someone tried to stab me. Yeah, I think that's your worst holiday. That's a that great would, story, Ben. Go on. That would be I up had, there with I the had, worst. It's not, it wasn't the worst holiday. I had a great time. It's just some nut job and playing football tried to stab me. That's pretty. But I think yeah, that's so it's not, not, it's not great, very it? it's not very often you go to play five aside football and someone tries to stab you, is it? But you were like sixteen as well, weren't you? No, I was fifteen. But I was. I didn't know Ben by the I way. I was. I was still when I when I was fifteen, I was built like a brick shell. So we're playing football against these guys from Holland, and it, I think it was two goals and you're off. So first of two, we got knocked out, and then there's those other teams. So there's like some Italians, a Spanish team. This is non-organized, by the way. It's all just on a five-a-side pitch on a holiday camp. So picture this in mm. in Spain. So we, we got knocked off. Fiery game anyway. Everyone's getting stuck in. Big tackles flying in. Getting a bit aggressive. Testosterone flying around between young teenage males. We get knocked off. Anyway, this Dutch team then gets come, comes off after we've had a fiery match with them anyway. And they've got to sit next to us on the bench, ready for the next bit. It's in and outdoor, five-a-side AstroTurf, just to create the picture for you. Anyway, my cousin... Johnny starts winding him up, you know, because they've been, just been knocked off. So this lad squares up to him and gets in his face. So I push him away. Anyway, the guy that I push away, I turn back, look back to my left. He's come back at me, grabbed me on the shoulder, and he's got a knife in his hand that like he's pulled out of his, his sock that like he's had to play five-a-side football. Who's who's carrying a shiv to play five-a-side? What's a shiv? A knife. Shiv. Who's doing that? I don't know. So anyway, he's got a hold of my shoulder. He's trying to stick it in my stomach. Yeah, and I managed to like grab his hand. So as I grabbed his hand, he's cut all my wrist and somehow in the scuffle, he's cut my neck. So I was bleeding from there and bleeding from my arms. And then I just remember time, do you know, like on one of the Marvel movies, who's, who is that control time? With, oh, Doctor Strange. I felt like Doctor Strange. Everything was like whew, slowing down, 
Like when we had a car crash. Evan, I felt like I was, Evan was slowing down. I had proper control, so something like that. Threw his hand back. And I just wound up, up the biggest one bomb I've ever thrown in my life at 50 years. Sort of, What's a one bomb, Ben? Just a one bomb is like a hell punch. The punch that lays like the level 100 boss out. Do you know what I mean? The last level boss. You When you're on second, you've got to go against him. You've got to throw a one bomb. That's what happened. And excuse my language, I just laid, laid the cunt out flat on the floor but then there's like three more of them that came around with these dutch lads and they all just popped off then all these adults obviously who've been sunbathing just further up had seen that the couple full seal so i had blood on me my uncle comes running down sprinting down it was all kicking off and then after that i was in the in the back of a police car looking for these guys because the police were trying to find him uh and they're going to the police station and they're going to the hospital obviously to, for the wounds in the police station i have to do an interview then the police get this the police in Spain, after playing a five-a-side football match where some guy tried to stab me, was then like, well, instead of locking them off, what we can do is there is a changing room hut on the other side of the uh, caravan site. What we can arrange is that you have a one-on-one -on -one with them behind there and you just beat fuck out of them. <laughs> that is horrendous. <laughs> well, you can imagine saying. what my dad says. Absolutely not. Yeah. He, he, the dad's like, there's no chance of doing that. <laughs> I can imagine your dad being like, what, these are these on the police? Yeah, and there's me in the back on, on my toes, ready for it. Come on! Tattle around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had the music on the back, right? <laughs> ready for this one on one. My dad's like, Some absolutely. Shadow not. boxing. Yeah. yeah. Like that kid we saw in the Christmas oh market. Oh my God, we saw a Chris, like, little like, six year old shadow boxing for like an hour in the Christmas market. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, long story short, they ended up getting kicked off the campsite, the whole family. So there's like, there like 10 of them. So, obviously, he'd, and his, his mum came in. Oh, the reason he had it in his socket is because he collects them. What, 14-year-old? I was collecting crazy bones when I was 14. He's collecting yeah, knives. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, that was... I wouldn't say it was the worst holiday, but there's your holiday so, horror story anyway. I will not lie. I think that's a pretty... As holidays go, because holidays are usually very joyous and joyful. Uh, was that my question or your question? That was my worst holiday one. Okay. So, my question, which I've absolutely just lost. Okay. What's your top three tips for a successful relationship slash marriage? I always forget we're married. Do you? Uh, no. I, but it's hard to remember that. I, not not as in that way that I think, oh, I'm single. Is in the way that I think I'm just still a fiance. Well, this is the issue. But I because forget I'm a wife. No, you're not because you're not legally changed your name. I'm on a everything. whole wife. Nope, not my wife. <laughs> your, your name on everything says Lucy it's Davis. It's actually not. It is There's disrespectful. There's so much stuff that my name says Halden on. My Instagram page says Lucy Halden. Thank you very much. What's the at say? Davis Fit. Yes, thank you. <laughs> because I can't change my business name. We went through this. Our kids are going to be Haldonies. No, they're not. They're going to be Halden. <laughs> They should be out No, they should not. Sounds like a magician. <laughs> um, what's your top three tips on a successful marriage? Get your name changed as soon as you can. There you go. That's the first one. Communication. Why are you telling me? You've asked me the question. Allow me to finish. Oh, I thought we were sharesies. I thought we were doing three each. <sighs> Change your name. Doesn't count, Ben. Yes. I am Lucy Hal. Get my marriage certificate out of there right now. I've got a pit. Where's, where's your passport? No one cares. Uh, I'd say number two is... Yeah, I'd say communication's a big one. <laughs> it doesn't actually say Lucy Halden on it. There we go. The marriage certificate. That's very strange. Why does your marriage certificate stay your old name? Marriage, supervised schedule. Lucy, 
let's get let's move on now. Okay. Uh, number two, yeah, communication's important. I think that it's one of the things that I was speaking about in last week's episode about when people enter relationships and they f- they think it's going to be plain sailing, but why would you not expect something really great to be difficult to accomplish? Like you're supposed to go through hard things together and communication is that point of where you come together and, and are able to discuss it. And that doesn't mean have blistering arguments. That means talk about things that piss each other off, things that, and also praise. I think like when your partner does well, it's very easy just, Go, oh yeah, it's another thing. Don't want like praising each other for good, good things that they've done. Yeah, because really one of the biggest ways, especially if you want to create good habits and behaviors for your partner, is to praise them. It's positive reinforcement of the things that they're doing, and knowing that you know you're, you're proud of them is is a, is a super big one. Especially because how hard is it just to say something nice to someone? How mm. hard is it to say, "Sure, that was great. That that was good. That mm. I try and f- I try and find myself doing that more often because." How many people actually, if you th- if you sit there and you listen to this podcast now, think about it, how often do you get told good job? Or you done well there? Or you get a round of applause? How often do you actually get told that on a day-to-day basis in your job, in your sport, in your hobby, by your parents, whatever it may be, how often do you really get told that? So I think the more that you can just say something nice to people. Remember when we were in Starbucks of the week and I said to that woman. You're really not, yeah. You, you, what did I say to her? You just, she was really lovely. Yeah. And you just said, like, that you're such a wonderful person and that was, like, the best customer experience we've ever had yeah. at Starbucks. And sometimes I'd, th- I'd think to myself about not saying that because I'd feel a bit embarrassed in front of the queue of the customers. But, I was like, do you know what? Fuck it because she's actually done something that she probably goes unrecognized and she does all the time, which is really great. So I think the more that you can praise your partner and praise other people or just give something nice feedback to someone's good. And then mm-hmm. number three, uh, bonk off them. Is that a good one? Saying that, Ben. <laughs> no, I don't know. Number that three. That is important, though. I think. <laughs> Sorry, I was just laughing. <laughs> Maybe compromise. There was a really funny video about compromise. <laughs> there was a couple. And it was like, the guy was like, oh, I want to go and see Oppenheimer. And the girl's like, I want to go and see, see Barbie. And the guy was like, but we're going to compromise. So we're going to go and see Barbie. <laughs> That is compromising. No, my number three is continue to be the best first date possible. That's cute. Because I feel what often happens is when you're single, you look after yourself the most. You are prim, you're proper, you are trying to attract your soulmate, you are putting on the best version of yourself. And then what happens a lot of time is in relationships, and especially in marriages, is that people then let the guard down. And they become sloppy and they become lazy. And I 100% am on board with the fact that you should love your partner, however, whoever they are. But also, you should still show up for them the way that you did day one. Mm. You shouldn't then be in a relationship and go, oh, fuck them. I'm not bothered now. I've sealed the deal. Like, you were putting in the effort when you went with them to try and attract other people. You should try and put in the same effort to, to keep them or to keep them satisfied and give them the deal that they signed up with. Like you should want to be the best, but that's just not like what about what you look like. It's about who you are as an, an individual as well. And yeah. wanting to be the best for me, I want to be the best man that I can be. I want to be the most supportive. I want to be able to look after you. I want to be able to provide for a family. I want to look my best, perform my best in order to set up an environment and a place for you 
and a family one day. And I think it's important that you continue to do that even when you're in a relationship and not let those standards slide because we all do it when we become comfortable. Yeah, that one's really true, actually. it's You get to a stage where you're just very comfortable with each other, which is obviously fine. You have your comfortable moments, but then having this like an additional point to Ben's because I agree with all three of yours, have a date night every week and it doesn't need to be like a really expensive dinner. It could just be like we, me and Ben love going to walk around Cheshire Oak, especially at Christmas. We love just going for a Christmas coffee. We love going for a walk together, the cinema. Yes, dinner dates and all that as well. Or we do, what did we do? We did like crazy golf or something. Just every week we make a little bit of extra time for ourselves and that is really, I think that's really important in a marriage to not forget and to not make an effort for date night and enjoy yourself and enjoy each other's company. And I think because me and Ben work together, when we do have date nights, it's like you can't go on your phone. And if one of us on our phone, it's like get like get off your phone, we're having quality time together. And that's really important. I think that we're quite good at, but I agree with all three of your points. And the one saying that like you're proud of each other or that you look really nice or like if you come out come down a new outfit I'm like oh okay like it's like bigging your partner up and making them feel feel really good mm -hmm. I think it's really important yep so uh where are we any I've got Ben here's a, here's oh, a funny so one Benny. have you ever told your barber or hairdresser you don't like the cut never really never would I ever do that I've walked out of a hairdresser's and burst into tears. Have you? Why? Yeah, because she fucking cut my hair off. I like a, I like Willy Wonka. I, I when I was, <laughs> what, a, you're the bowler. Was, I had a but I had a bob. It's when I was much younger, and I hated it. Isn't that funny though? Like in a oh restaurant, God, if someone it. did you a shit dish, you go either complain about it, but if it was a haircut, I, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I'm in a restaurant and I something's would. wrong with my dish, I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm, I'm speaking... saw my way through it. <laughs> I'm speaking more so from a general consensus that most people would complain about a meal, but not about a haircut. I think it's because, I don't know, you're sat in this chair and they're kind of doing it and you're thinking, you've got to wait till the end product, especially for long girls. You've got to wait till the end product. Okay, so you wait I've got a question the last for moment. Do you think less people would complain about the meal if it was the chef who came with the bill? Because they've had to. So what we're what we're saying here is yeah. that people don't want to say it because it's them who's cut the hair, but the people will complain to the waiter because they haven't cooked the dish. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, waiters also tend to be very young, um, and people I think tend to talk down to waiters yeah. because it's seen as quite a unskilled, dumb profession. That, um, that's sorry to interrupt. That's one of my key judges or indicators for people if they're a wanker. Yeah, what is? how they treat how staff. you treat staff <gasps> and. I went on a date with a girl who was a such a bitch to a waiter and I never spoke to her again, yeah, ever, yeah. ever. God, that was awful. Yeah, that's real. Actually, when people speak to waiters like shit, I'm thinking, they've not made your food. Like they've not like, or they're busy or just, just take a moment to appreciate what's going on and just be a nice person. I've had full-blown arguments with people before I've done that. Good. Yeah, it's horrible. Full -blown standing up to them. Yeah. What was the question again? Have you ever complained about a haircut? No. Um, I mean, also, I've not had the no, worst I've, haircut. I've had the worst haircut and tipped them after. I'm such yeah. a bitch when it comes to <laughs> it. Honestly, <laughs> such a pussy. Here's that shit mohawk that you give me, which Literally. is like halfway up the side of my face. God. I remember one of your haircuts you really hated and you kept wearing a hat. Yeah, for like a week. 
No, I I also cried one time when I was like <laughs> 14, maybe 13. And I was like, have you seen the picture of me with like long hair? Yes. Anyway. Dark hair. Yeah, long. Emo. I like, oh, I showed Ben. I look like fucking that woman of crying. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I got a, a haircut and it literally looked like she'd put a ball on her and just shaved <laughs> the sides of it. I literally cried, walked to a barber's um, and then they sorted it for free. And then I went there for like five years. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, I've not. It was only that one time I walked out and I was just bursting into tears into my mum, but I've had good hairdressers since. Really good. Yeah, I, I haven't complained, but I went to this new barbers that I'd never been to before. And there were two barbers uh, next door to each other. Where were you? No, it wasn't two barbers next door to each other. I, I don't want to give this. too much information away because I don't want to be harsh. Mm. But it was, a, it was another place that didn't cut hair, but the guy there... Oh, I, I tied with my hair up before and then I went to another place which it was newer and I'd, I'd gone there and gone to get a haircut and it was a woman who cut my hair that's not the reason why it was a terrible haircut by the way but I'd gone there and she'd given me the worst haircut I've ever had in my when life when was this years and years and years and years ago and anyway I then went next door to go and get it recut after she had cut it I do remember yeah and I said to the guy who then tied my haircut I was like I don't know what the fuck she just done to her hair next door. I don't know if she's blind or what was going on. And she and he went, no, but she is deaf. Mate, I know who you're talking about as well. Because, but the, not once. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't expect her to go. I'm deaf, but I thought it was the conversation was felt a bit intermittent, and I wondered why she kept looking so intensely at the mirror. But not the fact that she was deaf anyway. She just gave me the shit haircut. But when I said, I don't know if she's blind or something, I just wanted to bury myself six foot under. Yeah. I thought I felt so harsh for that comment. But yeah, terrible haircut. Went and got it cut again straight after, but didn't bitch that one telling her. I remember that also. I mean, your hair didn't look that bad. It looked terrible. Yeah, because your... I'd already had it done again afterwards. I'd paid for two haircuts in 30 minutes. The thing is with Ben now, though, he's got two hairs. Like, he's got hair here. Oh, yeah. And he's got hair here. And The barber sometimes takes will... longer on my beard now than I'm on top of my head. You will know if Ben has not had a great time because he'll come back and be like, look, look at my beard. Yeah, don't talk about hair. Yeah, you're you're very particular. Beard. Yeah. yeah, your beard is more because he it has takes a brush. So long to grow. He has a brush, right? We had a new bathroom fitted. He Ben bought a brush for his beard, as you do when it gets this long. Oils. I actually bought him an oil last year. It was lovely from America. Oh, that's beautiful. Gorgeous. I have I have two different oils, and I have a conditioner which goes on in the morning, and then I have the two different types of brushes, and I bought a heated brush as well, which is great. Yeah, but what he did got a new bathroom. Pull out cabinet. Ben's obviously brushing this fucking beard. And I got back from Nepal and I opened where all my skincare is. I was like, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I was like, you've been shaving your no, chest. It looks hair. like pubes, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, you've done like what is that? I was like, but it's just the hair, I was like the hair's everywhere. And you're like, no, I've not. I was like, and then then the conversation, oh, I've been doing it in your dressing room, and I thought Oh, good God, he's been shaving his back and his yeah. ass and everything in my dressing room. Disgusting. So I bought a mirror for the other bathroom and like, do it in there. I was like, I went back the next day after I cleaned up and it's all still there. And I was like, where is that coming from? And then I catch him, oh, brushing his beard and it's molting like pubes <laughs> everywhere. So we don't do that now. We do do. He does over the sink. Yeah. Is over the sink, so it's not going yeah, I guess there are a lot all of these into the fun things when you're out gardening my Gucci in your dressing room. It was great. Honestly, when I got home, Ben said, "I don't know. I, I, I didn't. I didn't shave in there. I shaved in your dressing room." I thought, "Oh, that's worse." Like Ben is shaving his legs, his balls, his back in my dressing room, and I thought, 
that's the, and then you're like, I'm going to carry on. And I thought, do you know? I'm home. <laughs> I saw a stat about can you Google this, Cal, about men who can grow beards? Apparently, it's something to do with when it was back in, I don't know, like Viking times to do with <laughs> you having a stronger jaw in terms of taking a punch. Like it was 45% more durable or something like <laughs> that was. If you had a beard, this might be the most bullshit stat ever. So 45% of men can't grow beards. Ah, uh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. Crazy. I am one of those 45 and it's shit. Well, I, you know, I think you could grow it. You just got to go through the shit period first. Yeah, it'd take me a while. Yep. Sorry, this is a wild question that my, my brain has just been like, Let's hear it. this is for everyone here today. Can I take creatine with hot water, given that creatine in meat is lost after cooking? That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. That's not a true thing. It's not true. There's your answer. It's Is not true. Like, wait, let's Google That's it. like saying all your protein's gone from when you cook it. Can I take creatine with hot water, given that creatine? Also, I couldn't think of anything worse than taking creatine with hot water or like a cup of tea. That's not going down well. What, can I, I can't, what happens to creatine when you when meat's cooked? Ooh. You, but you might lose a little bit, but you don't lose all the creatine. Uh, what temperature is creatine destroyed on cooking? Let's find out. Um, what my bl- my brain just went no. uh it's just not a thing yeah it, it, it takes a tiny amount out but in all honesty if you need take care uh, you, you do need to take creatine and no one's eating enough red meat that's, to be able to get exactly what enough creatine. like people go oh i have steak even even me having steak one today is, n- is nowhere near enough i would need to eat three kilos of red meat to get the amount of creatine in but don't take it with hot water why would you take it with hot water? I feel like taking that with hot water, it, it would like melt in your mouth and be it's all up like, in your teeth. It's like eating cereal with a fork. It just what? Hot milk. Yeah. Disgusting. Or cereal with water. Yeah. Hobo behavior. Um, Nobody would have cereal with water. That's what I'm saying. I accept if you're having porridge oats, you do 50-50 oh, oat milk and water. Can I ask you a question? I've got yeah. Came oh in. yeah, we'll do should we do some anonymous questions now? One call. Well, I've only got one that came in. Oh. Um if you guys were starting your business again from day one, what mistake would you try and avoid? Or we can ask that as what one thing would you do differently? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I always find it really difficult for these kind of things because I don't really regret anything because everything's taught me a lesson that I needed to learn. Yeah, because it's really hard at the time when you're going through something. You couldn't think of anything worse. We have been through some rough times. That isn't like socially acceptable to share. But we've been through rough times, whether it was like personally, at least I was fit, my coach Benji, my coach, like the whole thing. But if you hadn't have done it, I think with my coach, if we hadn't been through loads of shit, would it still be here today? Would it be where it is? I don't know. So it is a really hard question, but I think from a business perspective is when you can even though it feels like the most scariest thing in the world when you can outsource your work that either you hate and you really aren't very good at it if you can outsource someone 
to do that work for you and give you back time to do the things you're good at is massive. And it's really scary to do because it feels risky to pay someone. It feels scary if you're not in that position. But for example, if you're a content creator and you then make enough money to pay part-time for an editor, which would take away editing hours, but you have more time to be creative on the concepts, fantastic. That would, but it's really scary to do that, especially I think with like the self-employment world, it's a very scary thing to do, but without risk, you have to take risk. Everything we've done that's either turned out good or bad has been based off a risk. But I think for me, with one of the best things you can do is as and when you can, even taking on someone a couple of times a week, give them and you pay them hourly or, and you get back more time for you to do what you're good at to grow the business. I think that's powerful. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a mistake or an error. I've made a lot, but I'm trying to think of the one that will benefit people who listen most, especially the personal trainers or they're trying to start a new business themselves or they're thinking about maybe one of their hobbies or habits becoming a career. Have a plan. Have a little bit of a plan. I think, sorry, <laughs> I think that's probably just reminded me is to remember to stick to the plan even when the plan isn't going to plan because <coughs> it can be so easy when you're running a business to either react to certain things whether that be financials or feedback or um how busy you are at the time or comparing to other people and not only being inspired but imitating others and that can be a big downfall because then your your whole scope becomes confusing because you're then not serving the customer that you want to serve or the member or the client that you want to serve because you can't you can't serve everybody so I think try and stick to the plan and also as much as possible, try and have synergy with other people. So many people are scared to collaborate, even with people you might view as a competitor or your enemy. They're the people who you can learn the most off. And this comes back to another lesson is if you've got competitors or if you've got people who hate you or give you negative criticism. And this is something that I learned and probably one of the big lessons and probably one of the, this will be my ultimate answer to the question is, don't use those negative remarks or feedback and get triggered by them and then lash back out at either clients or members or customers or followers or whoever it may be. Sometimes try and see that feedback as a gift because ultimately you are getting told direct feedback from people who are watching and listening to you and, and have got better context than maybe you have because you're face first with your business or face first with whatever's going on so don't get shitty or arsey with comments or emails sometimes they could be your next lessons to the next thing that you need to develop in business and this doesn't mean take everything on board and all criticism on board because it depends in the context in which it's given but if you spot something try and reflect on a little bit and go do i have to do that and try and take a bit of an even stance with it instead of just going, you're a wanker, mm. or giving a load of shit back to someone. Trying because that could be the that person could help you more than anyone would ever help you. That person could help you more than any friend or family ever could because they're willing to give you criticism because they don't know you, they don't have any alliance to you, they don't need to deliver that message with any love or compassion. They can just deliver a very raw message on how they feel they have been delivered the service to or how they have taken your piece of content and it can be invaluable. Yeah, 100%. I think the only thing to be careful of is you can tell the difference between a hate comment 
a nasty yeah. comment or where someone's been like, loved your video, but I just think like this could work really well. Or have you ever thought about doing this? Because the, the audio is really off. Or like I've had on some YouTube videos been like, I love this video, but the audio is really bad. And I'm like, oh my God, thanks so much. Didn't even realize that is critique. Whereas someone being like, oh, you like a man. That's a hate comment. So there is a difference. But then also go out your way to ask your customers, your clients, whatever industry you work in, what is bad about your business. We do it every single week. Part of my coach, one of the things is we send out a form. People who have either left or they've come back. Okay, what what can we improve on? Or can you give us some critical feedback is the exact words we use. And sometimes it's come back and you're thinking, oh, God, I didn't, didn't even realize that. But so much of that critical feedback, we've gone in to the next development stage of the app and been like, they didn't like that or they don't have that. So let's bring it, let's let's bring it in. So as Ben said, if you can get to that stage where you can accept the critical feedback, I think critical feedback is a really nice way to put it because it's probably not always what you want to hear, but it might be the most helpful advice that you can get. Okay, let me give you an example. Mm. For... A couple of years, probably, I had comments which were, you've got the gayest voice I've ever heard, or I can't understand the word of what he's saying. Is this even English? I had lots of criticism about the way that I speak and the way that I talk because of my accent and also where I come from. We speak often very quickly. Fast forward a couple of years later, would I have ever committed 12 months of my life to go into elocution lessons and develop in the way that I speak, the way that I deliver myself? the way that I read, the way that my dialogue has progressed, if I had not have had those comments in the first place, would I fuck? So sometimes you've got to take things and gain a little bit of feedback, even if they haven't been delivered in the best way. Those people have now left me those comments about, I've actually now contributed to my growth. Mm. And there are things that you can either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset and develop yourself from those in the way that you take on feedback. Yeah, I think the last draw for you was America, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Where a woman asked you to repeat something four times and then looked at me and I thought, what are you doing? He's like, he's literally speaking. So yeah, I think that's actually a very valid example and then how you progress from that. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, wonderful. But I think that's all my questionies for today's Little podcast. questions. Me and Kyle are going to create a dictionary. That would actually be a fun piece of merch, don't you think? Ben. It would be. Do you have so any I've, idea I've, what we just said then? I've, yeah, fun piece of merch. Yeah, but what? The dictionary. Oh, of all my... I do listen, just because I'm not engaging in eye contact with you. I was looking I at another, like, I I was like looking at another question, which relates to the question that we just had, which was, have you received judgment from your family for your career path? No. Ben? Yeah. I, I, one of the comments I had from my, my dad was, when I first started, you can't just be a dickhead running around the gym with your iPhone. Because that's what he saw us. I think that's a generational thing where he didn't really understand what I was doing. But I saw the vision of like, this is going to help me benefit as a personal trainer or a coach and develop the business that I want to to move into as well. Um, but I think it was very much for me, my family probably scared because I was the first person in my family to go to university. I had a career in the police. It was safe. It was stable. Pension, salary. And then I was just going to, sort of suppose, burn that boat and start earning 300 pounds a week and be a personal trainer which if we're being honest about things has never been looked at as oh wow this is a career where you're gonna earn massive amounts of money or it's not a, a career which has huge amounts of average salary and it doesn't have a safety net because you're, you're self-employed mm. so i think there was always worry about that 
Um, did the judgment ever worry me? Not really, because if I took context with it and take a step back, has my dad ever been a personal trainer? No. Has my mum ever been a business coach? No. So why would I listen to those people who have no experience, knowledge, or experience in running a business or being a personal trainer or doing the thing that I want to do that I know more about them about? I'm going to listen to the people who have that experience, who have done the thing, who have been successful in it. And this is my biggest issue when it comes to business coaches in the fitness space and the personal training spaces. Don't get me wrong, there are people who deliver good courses or good uh, educational content, but, there's a big but, there has to be a level of previous achievements and results mm. to show that, I have done the thing that you want to do. Because how the fuck can you say, oh, I'm going to show you how to paint this wall when you've never painted one yourself? Mm. There's got to be something there where you've had real in the field, in the trenches experience of growing something from A to B and showing I've done this and now I'm going to show you how to do it as well. Yeah, sure, you wouldn't go to someone who's not there. But there is, there's loads of them. There's loads of them. That blows my brain. There's always a thing of, I'm going to show you how to get 10 grand a month from your own phone. Why is it always £10,000 a month, by the way? Yeah, why is from that your own free? Phone? I know you're not. Because most of these people who are given that shit, shit at information are people who are being on Love Island or somewhere else. And the reason they're making so much money from the phone is because they built up a huge following first by going on Love Island or Celebrity Big Brother. Because not anyone can do it. So don't just quit your job before doing the due diligence just because you've been led down the garden path by some idiot with turkey teeth. Yeah, love that. But no, I've never had any judgment from my family. Sometimes for a lot of people, it's the, it's just... the, it's the biggest source of judgment or criticism yeah, yeah, or feedback sure. is from family who don't understand. And a lot of the time it's worse because you'd expect the support from them. And two, it's, it's quite often more hateful or hurtful because they're scared for you. So they want you to do it even less. I had it from friends. Who are now not friends, <laughs> for sure. Friends at the time, and that really hurts. But I don't really care about that anymore because yeah. the friends I've got now are great. I think you've just got to take a step back sometime and realise that the the comments from family or friends are sometimes coming from a place of love because they're worried about you. But at the end of the day, like I'm not going to my mum for business advice, and there's a reason for that. It's because she doesn't want a business, and that's no disrespect to my mum. But if I want to know how to be a better parent or do something that she's experienced in her mm. life. I don't know, like in previous jobs of land registry or whatever it may be, if you want to have something, uh, knowledge on buying land or housing, I'll go and ask my mum because she's got experience in it. Mm. Don't go to people for the, the for like advice that they have zero experience with and hold and give it weight. Yeah. Yeah, one, 100%. That's probably why I do go to my dad so much then. Yeah. Because that's his, he, I'm thinking... Got like a free consultant. It's there. like you asking me how to swim. I'll take. I'll teach you how to sink any day. The swim. <laughs> Not going to be floating, are yeah. you? I'll, I'll, I'll lay a few, but yeah, that was um, that was a wild but, question. But yeah, it really makes you think. And I have no perseverance on the family side of it, but you do. So you gave a really good answer to that. Not that they were ha hateful towards it. It's just that they didn't. They were yeah, didn't just, understand it. And again, I think that can be a generational thing based on. On uh, obviously the the recent rise or the the rise at the time of social media and the jobs and the careers that have been created around that. And it was only at the very start, anyway. Like it's not very. Oh yeah, my, very my dad supportive. has never been more supportive. Like my dad gave me ten thousand pounds towards what I wanted to do because he he then believed in what I was doing. Mm. 
So uh, sometimes it might just need a bit of encouragement. Well, it's up to you as well to really sell them the dream and make mm. them understand of what you want to do and the passion that you have behind it and maybe even deliver the plan that you've got for it instead of just being ignorant and thinking that everyone's inside your head and knows your dreams and aspirations and the things that you're going to achieve. So that's a that's a big thing about it. I think if you're trying to get people to come on side and on board with you, sell them the dream as well. We're boring you. No. No. I'm just tired. Yeah, got, got one last question before we finish then. I yawn a lot. Does anyone else yawn a lot? I yawn all the time. Okay. My jaw clacks. If oh, is it? Ah, I it hear that. What would you what would you do and I'll I'll flip this question around. What would you do if another guy hit on you in the gym? If another guy hit on me in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. What's no, that, that would that would be rude. I wouldn't do that. I'd be rude. I expected to do No, that. I wouldn't go in their face and go, excuse me. I'd just be like, I'm married. I don't know your intention, but I'm gonna stop you right there because I'm married. Well what so am I. You're a fucking scumbag then, aren't you? Well, yeah, Norse is saying that to his face. I'd just be like, well, you need to sort yourself out. I won't tell anyone. Oh, we're oh, we doing dialogue. Okay, yeah. let me get into roll. Go again. Hey, hottie. No, no, how would you? No, no, no. Like, let's do a, let's do a, do a dialogue. Hey, hottie. Nice peach. I am married. And I don't know the intention, but I'm just, I'm going to carry on with my workout. So am I, but I'm just here for a good time. But I'm going to leave. I won't tell anyone. I'm going to leave this situation. And also, my husband is training right over there. See that guy with massive biceps? I probably wouldn't do what you're about to do because I will go and tell him. And then I can't tell you how it's going to end. So I'm going to leave the conversation. And I wish you a good day. Get in the bag. I wish you a good day. Goodbye. Get in the bag. I'm leaving the conversation. So you wouldn't even hit him? Oh, she's trying to do with me from last week now. (laughs) Lucy, we've got to do the intro as well. (laughs) <laughs> she's coming back <laughs> i pull the reel that, back in that is exactly what i do but the, i'm still continuing but your, your name's still lucy davis it's actually lucy Halden if you it's look not. on instagram I've, I've also searched, searched if you search me house. i i just what do you mean yeah <laughs> you're, you're, your life, maybe, your life's you're, you're, i think your you're a stalker alive. then you're a stalker only for you babe ben guy hitting ben Sky hitting on me. <laughs> the one bomb coming out. Boom. Done. Done. That's how I'd approach the situation. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much, everybody. You can um, come see me in West End. I'd be terrible in West End. I'd forget my lines. Anyway, we will end the podcast there because yeah. I actually thought we were ending. Yeah, we've got some. Uh, on that, we've got some really cool guests coming up um, for the start of next year it'll be now obviously we're going to be running through december we're going to have a big push on the podcast into next year and getting some incredible guests on and also i can't tell you the other bit actually can i no you can't say that but it helps us massively if you keep reviewing written review whatever it is subscribing on spotify subscribing on yeah, youtube maybe leave should subscribe comments. and hit the bell button on youtube as well to know when the next videos go up yeah 100 percent. and we will see you in next week's YouTube. Next week's YouTube. What are you doing? Sign off from your own yeah, channel. Yeah, I am. I just walked out my own channel. On next week's podcast. Bye. Bye, guys.